This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 2, Episode number 12, Pakoda Hates the Cubs. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. We are live on 670 The Score from 530 until 10. And as always, I am joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, and even more importantly, tomorrow, happy pitchers and catchers report. We are here. We've made it. So we've made it, Crowley. It's also happy, happy Pakoda Day. Pakoda projections are out. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm too happy about that one. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, Pakoda, Pakoda projections are out. It's always an exciting time. Usually happens right around the same time that pitchers and catchers report. So let's get into it right away. Crawley, what did uh, Pakoda have to say about our Cubs? And maybe even more importantly, people have heard Pakoda before, but maybe explain it to the to the podcasters. Yeah, so Pakoda is used by baseball perspectives. It's a system for projecting player performance. Uh, Pakoda is an acronym. It stands for Player Empirical Comparison Optimization Test Algorithm. So it's best known for its use of comparable players. And so you try to predict future performance using historical comparisons of players with similar career paths, right? And so you can also use it, uh, it can be applied to an entire team as well as to project records, uses predicted depth charts to establish the projected runs for and against each team before gleaning a projected win total from that. Now, Obviously, no one is claiming that every prediction will come true, but Pakoda is, unfortunately, widely regarded as an accurate predictor in the industry. If we take last year's Cubs team, for example, right? Last year, uh, Pakoda had the Cubs having 70.4 wins and 90.6 losses. Okay? <laughs> and so, I, here's what I, hold on, hold on. I don't get the point four and the point six. It, 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 it's math. It's, it's a math, right? So it, it, it had him at, if you're looking here, 70 wins, 90. So so basically you're going to go about 90 and uh, 70. And 70 92. and 92. Right. right. Well, just why don't they just do 70 and 92? I mean, you can't get half a win. I mean, this isn't hockey where you get two points and one point for a tie and then a, a point if you force overtime. I mean, come on. You, you either win or you lose. There are no ties. There are no you're, there are no you got to extra innings so you get half of a win. I mean, come on. Well, that that is Pakoda. So if you look at it last year, 70 wins, 92 losses. They and if you look last year, they had Milwaukee winning the division with 93 games, St. Louis with 80, Cincinnati would have had they had in third place at 79 wins and Chicago in fourth place with 70. Now, the final results looked a little bit different. Now, as, as far as the Cubs are concerned, 
the, the Cubs outperformed their Pocota projections by four games, and they finished in third. St. Louis blew through their Pocota projections, 93 wins, Milwaukee 86, Cubs 74, Cincinnati went way under with 62, and Pittsburgh 62. So it just goes to show you, you know, it, it, it's not 100% accurate. You could see, I mean, it was a 13-game difference for St. Louis, you know, Cubs only a four-game difference. But that's how it looked last season. But this, Dustin, is where I scratch my head. This year, Pakoda has the Cubs going 77 and 85. So Pakoda believes that this team will get three more wins than last year. Okay. Pakoda believes the Cubs have only a 9.5 chance to make the postseason and a 4.2 chance to win the division. Dustin, when you saw that number, 77 and 85. How surprised were you? I was disappointed. I, I was very disappointed. Not sure um, how they came up with that. I would always like having a Pakoda guest on, somebody to talk Pakoda, if you will, to kind of dig into those numbers a little bit deeper. I, I figured 80 might be what we would have gotten from Pakoda. Now, the only thing maybe is that the division is not so good. Cubs division is not so good. But this year, in all of baseball, you're playing less divisional games than before. So maybe that's part of the calculation because you don't get to play as many games against the Reds and the Pirates as you had in the past. So maybe that's a little bit what they're worried about with the Cubs. Um, something else I think everybody's worried about with the Cubs is where's the pop coming from? Right, where where's the, where's the power coming from, and what's going on in the back of the bullpen? So maybe those are maybe those are the reasons behind it. What well, were your what was your reaction to it? I, I was I was uh, pretty disappointed. I, I um I don't know. I know Pacotti usually kind of sometimes goes on the low end of things, but I thought that that I, you know tell me that that this team is three wins better than last year. I, I don't know about that. Um, you know they have. And then I was looking at it. They had Milwaukee in first place, 87.6, and St. Louis, 87.5. So about a statistical tie. They have the Cubs in third place with 77, Pittsburgh in fourth, 70, and Cincinnati in fifth with 66. I can see that with Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. That seems about right, yeah. Yeah, but you're telling me the Cubs are only seven games better than Pittsburgh? I I just, I don't know about that. And so I I started digging into the numbers, Dustin. I started, I, I, I got, I got, frustrated so i started to take a look i said how are you telling me that the cubs are only going to improve three games and again like you said some of it may be the fact that you're going to have to play better teams especially teams in the american league you know you're gonna have to play the nl west and and, and nl east and the ale you know these are strong teams but i'm just looking at this and i'm saying to myself okay what when you look at this the infield for the most part dustin is completely different and you've got a huge difference in center field, okay? Huge. So before we compare the 2022-2023 Cubs teams, I just wanted to throw out another term here. We already threw out Pakoda, and baseball loves its acronyms. But here's WAR, right? The WAR statistic is one that measures a player's values in all facets of the game by deciphering how many more wins he's worth than a replacement-level player at the same position a minor league replacement or readily available free in, fill-in free agent. So that's what war measures is, is the value, right? How many, how many wins are you worth more than just the average player? Okay. 
This season, in 2023, the Cubs have three players that are competing for time at first first base, right? Trey Mancini had a 1.4 war last year. Eric Hosmer, 1.1. And then Matt Mervis, we, we can't tell because obviously he was in the minors last year. Okay? If we look at the 2022 team, who do you think had the most games at first base, Dustin? 2022 most games at Rivas? Alfonso Rivas, 92 starts. And that was a war of 0.5, half a game. Next up, Frank Schwindel, 48 games, negative 1.1 war. So he was worse than your average fill-in player. P.J. Higgins, 38 games at an even war, zero. Wasn't worth any more or any less. Patrick Wisdoms, 18 games, 0.9 war. David Bodie, six games, 0.8 war. Jared Young, if you remember him, which I'm sure most of our listeners don't, two games at 0.1 war. So you I don't remember him either. <laughs> you basically got zero production from first base, zero. You basically could have picked in any free uh, 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 minor leaguer or free agent that was just sitting on the scrap heap, and you would have done just as good at first base. So you have to say that Trey Mancini and Herrick Cosmer, and we don't even know Matt Mervis, but anything could be better than last year's first base class. Anything could be better. I mean, again, put even just get Matt make Matt Mervis a zero, right? Just to be fair, right? You could just a zero, okay? Right. And it's still significantly better than what went on last year. Significantly. Right. Now, this season, Nico Horner will be the opening day second baseman. Nico played shortstop last season, and with that, he had the team high 4.5 war. So he was worth almost four and a half wins more than an average player. Now, you're going to have to anticipate that's going to go up because he's going to be playing an easier position at second base. Okay? Last season, eight players got playing time at second base. Nick Nad Magical, 59 games with a .7 war. Chris Morrell, 33 games, 1.4 war. Jonathan Villar, 29 games at a point, a negative .6 war. Zach McKinstry. I was say, he had to be neg. He had to be negative. He negative. Had to be negative. Zach McKinstry, 19 games, .5 war. David Bodie, 18 games, .8 war. Andrelton Simmons, 18 games, negative point, negative .2 war. Esteban Kairos, 12 games, .4 war. And Ildemaro Vargas, three games at negative .1 war. I mean, you have one, two, three, four players in negative war at second base, and now you're going for Nico? I mean, okay, you know? So I, yeah. You wonder what they're looking at, right? I mean, that's why I think it's my job to get one of these Pakoda talking heads on with Molly and Haw this week, okay? We need some answers. Or next time we, we podcast, we need some answers, Carly. We need, we, answers need we need to run those numbers back at them and see what they uh, what they spit back out at us. Now, now in yeah. this case, Crawley, you saw the the team. These are the team projections. They also will release later this week the player projections, right? right. We don't have those yet. They're not no. out yet. Okay. No, these are teams. So Dansby Swanson takes over at shortstop. Last season for the Braves. 5.7 war. That would have been the highest on the Cubs team last year. Um, Nico played 130, 30 games. We talked about his war. Angelton Simmons played 18 at negative 0.2 war. Christopher Morrell, 13 games, 1.4 war. Zach McKinstry, 9 games, 0.5 war. Ildemora Vargas, 6 games, negative 0.1 war. And Jonathan Villar, 2 games at negative 0.6 war. 
Now, the one position that I think we're a little nervous about that the Cubs did not show much improvement in is going to be third base. Patrick Wisdom was the primary third baseman last year, 105 games with a .9 war. You had Zach McKinstry, 21 games, .5 war. Christopher Morrell, 18 games, 1.4 war. And then you had Bodie, VR, Higgins, and, and Nico Warner even had one game. So in general, not much changes other than the fact that you may see, you know, Morrell wasn't with the team last year. I think you're going to see a lot of mixing and matching at third base with Wisdom and Morrell. So I think that's a big difference. Finally, Dustin, the worst position on the field for the Cubs last year, center field. Cody Bellinger is now taking over as the everyday center fielder for the Cubs. As bad as he was offensively last season, his defense raised his war to 1.2 games. That's what Cody Bellinger was worth playing an awful season on offense, okay? In who had the most games in center field for the Cubs last year, Dustin? Christopher Morrell? Rafael Ortega, 67 games Sheesh. with 0.3 war. Christopher Morrell, 57, 1.4 right, so war. I was, so I was close. I was close. Close. Nelson Velasquez, 32 games with a negative 0.6 war. Michael Aramosillo, 28 games, negative 0.6 war. Jason Hayward, 26 games, negative 0.7 war. I mean, and then you had Hap, three games, Wisdom, two games, and Narciso Crook had one game. But, I mean, you're talking, again, one, two, three players that had negative war playing center field for you next, last year. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. And so, to me, when I look around the diamond, first, second, short, that's all you've improved everywhere there, and you've improved in center. You got a full season with Seiya Suzuki. I'm going to talk to uh, John Antonoff and Rich Beasterfield in the second section. And uh, it looks like, uh, looks like uh, Seiya's been hitting the weight room. So I mean, there's yeah, no he's doing way. a lot of he's doing a lot of this at uh, spring training, a lot of flexing. I've seen a lot of flexing, but I'm I'm looking at this, and 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 uh, MLB Insider Anthony Cantrevis ranked the Cubs eight out of ten teams that won the offseason. It said although they didn't land the absolute best of the shortstop crop or the top of the rotation starter, Dansby Swanson and Jamison Tyone unquestionably make this a better ball club, and those guys might both still have their best seasons ahead of them. The Cubs were in perfect position to take a swing at Cody Bellinger comeback. If it works out, he could either vault Chicago into contention or serve as a gorgeous trade ship. They have seemingly improved their offensive floor with the signing of Trey Mancini. They added veteran reliever Brad Boxberger and took a flyer on Eric Hosmer. Is this a playoff team? Hard to say. Is it more capable, dependable team than the one that took the field in 2022? Almost certainly. So for me, Dustin, to sit there and just see a, a three-game difference, from where they ended up last year to what Percota has them this year, maybe you're right. Maybe it just has to do with playing a harder schedule. As far as the back of the bullpen, I've said it before. I think Theo and company have done a phenomenal job. If you want to put what, what I think the Cubs have done best the last few years in putting together these teams is putting together good back of the bullpens. So I, I, I really am sitting here struggling to kind of try to figure out how it's not rated better. You take a look at the pitching staff. I think the pitching staff looks better than last you know most of it's pretty much the same but you got a lot of guys that are hopefully going to be healthier this year you got Stroman back Steele Smiley Adrian Sampson we don't know about Kyle Hendricks but we said add Jameson Tyone to the mix I think the bullpen is going to be deeper I think your middle relief is going to be one of the strengths of the team 
So, so you know, the other one that I think that kind of gets looked at when we take a look at hitting is how pathetic the Cubs were with their DH. Okay, that was just awful. I'm sorry. That that was just when I looked at that, I, I just said to myself, this is this is you know. You might as well let the, the pitchers pitch, to be honest, the way that the DH was working. Yeah, the pitcher sit, you mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so what do you think? Right now, Wisdom is going to get the majority of uh, – you think it's Wisdom? Is Morel playing third? How, how do you see that? Who, who, you know, Mancini, who do you see Who do you see opening day DH? I, I You know, that's a good question, and I think that that's what spring training is going to kind of uh, help determine, and that's why, you know, it's exciting that the – that you have the um, position players come in the 20th. So that'd be on Monday, but I don't know. I think a lot of it's going to be mixing and matching. I think this is where, I think this is as far as David Ross is concerned, obviously his very first year, 2020, he makes it in the postseason. 2021, they were doing really good. And then they hit a skid and, and, and they never recover from it. I think they were in first place when they, you know, and then they no hit the Dodgers that combined no hitter. And then the wheels fell off the whole thing. But I think this is going to be a time where David Ross is really going to have to prove his managerial worth because I think you have a lot of really interesting matchups that you can play. So who makes the team coming out of spring training? You know, who's on the mound, righty versus lefty? What are the numbers versus these guys? I think that's what's going to determine um, more often than not who's going to be the DH. But what I do know is it's not going to be uh, backup catchers all the time. No, it won't be backup catchers all the time, and it won't be – for Mio Reyes, it won't be him either, right? He won't be. He won't be the guy. He won't be the guy no, either. No, he won't be. He we won't see any of him flexing going around second base this year. No, and, 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 and <laughs> like I said, this to me, I don't. I don't. Everybody that I have talked to, whether it's players, whether it's coaches, and I know everyone this time of year says, "Oh, the team looks great. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's this. I'm in the best shape of my life." That's what everybody says. I took a look at Seiya Suzuki. He looked pretty jacked to me. I took a look at some of these guys. You know, some of these guys have been out in Arizona since October, November season ended. They said Cody Bellinger's been in Arizona ever since he signed with the Cubs the day after he's been out there. So how is it humanly possible that this, you know, we're going to have to, you know, what we're going to have to do, Dustin, you know, and, and we're getting close to that point is we're going to have to break down the schedule and take a look. I remember last season when you and I talked, and I said, oh, I really don't like the first half. The second half looks a little bit better. You know, that first half of the season looked brutal. I think that we're going to have to really kind of, as we see, you know, how these teams look, and, and, and anything can happen. You know what I mean? I, I heard when I was listening to Mullion Hall this morning, uh, I, I heard you guys talking about, uh, you know, the Sox having the problems with their pitcher and does he come out of camp. Those type of things pop up. Injuries are going to pop up, you know, but we, we do have to kind of start breaking down the schedule, taking a look month by month, and seeing what the heck is happening because that's that's the only thing I can think of when it comes to Pakoda. You talked about runs. It is going to be hard, but that's where the pitching and the run prevention is going to have to come in. They're going to have to hit with runners in scoring positions because you know they're not going to be hitting a lot of homers in my estimation. And you got to have you got you got to clean up the base running, which I think has to be to me the focal point of David Ross and his staff. The, the base running last season was atrocious. And I, I think Wilson Contreras is a big part of it, but he wasn't the only one, but he was a big part of it. And so I think that this team right now has to do everything that they can to focus on. And you can't make mistakes. You can't run into outs. You got to be smart about it. And hopefully that's what they're going to be really focusing on this spring training. Let's hope, Crowley. Let us hope.